Hello and welcome back to another episode of Artist Avenue. I'm Christiana Hartziotis, your host, and today I am joined by the incredibly talented Fafa. Fafa is an artist known for her powerful voice. Her lyrics revolve around mental health and insecurity, meanwhile using her craft as a catalyst to heal the wounds of her past. I've known Fafa for approximately 12 years now, and I have to say, watching her creative journey evolve with such drive, passion and determination is simply inspirational and incredibly special. Before we dive into Fafa's uniquely inspiring journey, I would like to remind you that due to the current circumstances and the distance between Switzerland and Abu Dhabi, we had to record the interview online, and therefore the quality might suffer at points. Nevertheless, please keep listening. I always say for a podcast, it's content over quality. And so, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this glorious episode. I'm Fafa. <laughs> I am from the United Arab Emirates from Abu Dhabi. I sing, I write songs, sometimes I play the piano. Uh, I really love performing with a band. I think that's one of like the best things to do is when I have a band because sometimes I'll have backing tracks and I'm like, I'm doing karaoke over my own stuff. Like this is, this is not <laughs> that fun. <laughs> so it's always cool to have a band. Uh, what else? Yeah, I, that's what I do, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> so take us back to the beginning of your journey. Where did you start out? Like, when did your creative spark find you? Oh, man. Super young. Like, I used to listen, I used to listen and watch uh, a lot of Disney, a lot of Disney movies, a lot of Disney soundtracks. Like, I grew up on that. I still, to this day, like, I'll watch Disney and I'll quote everything. It's all the Disney classics, not so much, like, really the new ones. I think I've watched Moana like twice or something. It's a really good movie, but I'll always go back to like Mulan or Tarzan or Lion King or, you know, one of those movies, Snow White, Cinderella. But yeah, it started off that way. Like I just, I loved Disney and I loved the orchestra element in Disney at a very young age. Obviously didn't know it was an orchestra. I just knew it was music, but like, I always loved that. And like one of my favorite films for orchestra the way that they did it was Bambi and I would watch Bambi and just be sitting there like, Oh my God, I feel all this. Like Fantasia was great, but Ban Bambi was like another level for me. Just the way that they like did the, the, the rainy scenes in the springtime and like how they like did that all with instruments. And I thought that was crazy. And I used to watch like when I was watching Tarzan, I'd watch the behind the scenes when they did it with, um, I think it was NSYNC, right? Was it NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? I always get them messed up. I think it's NSYNC. I think it's NSYNC as well. I think it's, I think it's NSYNC when they when they did that and it was the um, what's it called? What's the song called? You know when they're in the camp? That one. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know the groove, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did. They and with Phil Collins as well, and they and they did they did that, and you could see the behind the scenes of that, and the same thing with Lion Kings. I'd always watch like the behind the scenes because they had it in the VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. They would have. They would like if you watched it long enough. Like after the credits, there was all this like, behind the scenes stuff. The Little Mermaid they had it before the movie, uh, and I would I would watch that and just be so interested and be like, oh my god, I want to do that. Um, yeah, it was just so magical. So I always just like associated music with like magic. Like it was like that Disney magic that is just I don't know. It filled my heart up and I loved it. So started from very young age, and then I did piano lessons, singing lessons when I was about like eight. And it was a lot of Disney as well. And then I went in. And then this was by the time that I, I knew you when I did Annie and the Sound of Music. 
so Annie was my first like full production, not school, like professional <laughs> thing that I had done. I was an orphan. It was awesome. And I did Sound of Music and that was like a super cool experience. And that I was 15 at that point. So 10 years ago. And um, <laughs> and then I don't know. Yeah, I just I couldn't get off the stage. Like I, I love being on stage. So it just that? stuck to you. <laughs> Yeah, I can't get I can't get over it. <laughs> Apparently, it's called trashing the camp. Trashing, trashing the camp. camp. I knew I was like I was like she no, that's not is. I was something camp. <laughs> it's such <laughs> a yeah. such a good lyric. Trashing the camp. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just, it's so good. Oh, I might have to watch Tarzan after this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you ever watched the music, the stage adaption of it? No, I have you not. You love that. If you ever get the chance to, I don't know if they've recorded it, but if you do, if I find it, I'll send it over to you because you'll love that. It's absolutely amazing. I watched like a sort of a Lion King one. I, like they, they used to do one at Disney World and it was kind of mm-hmm. like the Broadway version of, of the Lion King. I think it was before they brought it to Broadway. They used to have yeah. it. They used to have something similar, not the exact Lion King that you see in Broadway, but something similar-ish. Yeah, I guess. And they had it in Disney World and I watched that one and that one was awesome. (laughs) That was cool. (laughs) They have good productions there in Disney World and Disneyland Paris as well. They have, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they actually use those stages to like experiment sometimes with new material. That's what I think when I saw The Lion King and then afterwards it came out on Broadway. I was like, were they just like testing it in Disney World or like what, what was going on? Because they had the full costumes and the, the, the animals, like how they made the actors look like the animals and the giraffes and like the whole thing. Like it was full on Lion King. Of course, it was just like the songs from the movie. It wasn't anything new, you know, mm-hmm. and I, the Broadway one has new elements to it, which yeah. the world one was just like strictly that was in the movie. So this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So you did say you got like, you did get piano lessons and all that stuff. So yeah. Did you teach yourself as well? Like self-taught I did. a lot? Yeah, I did because uh, when I was younger and I wish if I could go back and tell my younger self this, I'd be like, woman, just listen to me. Okay, please. <laughs> if you had to, anything that I had to say, listen to me right now. Because I was doing a lot of classical and I didn't want to do classical. I mean, it makes sense to study classical if you want to do anything. It makes sense, but you don't want to do it. Like, and, and now I love classical and I'm like, oh man, I wish I did it when I was younger because then I'd probably be a lot better because then I stopped doing piano and I just started uh, YouTubing like different songs that I liked to sing and I would just play that. And so now my piano skills are, are pretty limited. They're not, they're not as good as they should be. So, so that's my fault. <laughs> I remember you in your room with your piano and your mic and your YouTube songs. And I always thought that was so cool how you like got that from YouTube. That piano. Do you? I, I still have that piano. It's upstairs. Yeah. It has all the signatures on it. Um, I, now I use a Casio. That one is a Yamaha. I use a Casio now and I, I always go back to the Yamaha one, but I, it's battery powered now because I've lost the plug and then, and then I've lost the plug for the Casio one now. So they're both battery powered which is not great when I have gigs because it dies and then I'm stuck there with <laughs> no music and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> uh-huh. No. no. Piano struggles. 
Oh, I mean, for real, like, so I, I did a concert for New Year's Mm -hmm. and it had to be like, what, like 10,000 people in the crowd or something. And I'm singing and then the piano just died and I went acapella. I have a video of me just going acapella and like the way that I see it, like in my head, I'm going, oh my God, they think I'm like pretentious or something. Cause I'm just like, I'm going to sing acapella. Look at me and my vocal skills. But really it was cause the piano died and I'm like, stay on key. Stay on key. <laughs> I was like, are you sure you want to do that, Ron? Are you sure you want to do that right now? <laughs> like, like the show must go on. Here I am. <laughs> and I think that's a lot thanks to freaking um, musical theater. If I hadn't done musical theater or any of that stuff, I don't think I would be the performer that I am. Because like the one thing, it's like the first thing you learn in theater is the show must go on, right? Like if anything happens, they don't know. You just have to act like it was part of it. And that's super hard when you know like you messed up so true and yeah so now i just do it as if it's like part of the show and and like every time it happens people are like oh yeah no i thought that was part of it i was like good (laughs) good like sure it was (laughs) yeah because you can't even put a face like if you put a face that's it you gave it away like even the slightest like twitch in your face and someone's like she she wasn't meant to do that and you're like so like now, like when I sing, I'm just like, I just keep going. I'm like, oh, well, eh, whatever. <laughs> mm. Were you, you know, back in school, when were you there when we did the choir stuff with Disney and everything? Yes. Yes, yeah. I was there. Exactly. I did that with you, yeah. We did that yeah, together. Bobby McFerrin as well. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. yes. We did that. Yeah. And I he did. Yeah, I can't believe that. I'm like, oh my God, I was on stage with Bobby McFerrin. That's crazy <laughs> it is insane isn't it I, I think he he signed my laminated like pass thing and I probably lost it I lost it I, I know I lost it but but he signed it and I wish I still had it and I'm like oh man actually it was Bobby McFerrin that's so cool <laughs> he was cool I loved those two little concerts they were yeah oh, a special place in my heart <laughs> yeah oh no you weren't there for that but we also did Christmas at the palace no I think Oh, we we dressed as the like biblical characters, and we did choir at Emirates Palace near the Christmas tree. That was like oh in grade seven. Oh my god, that yeah. is amazing! Oh. At the Christmas tree, that oh, must have been so big. This is coming back to me now. I'm like, oh my god, I actually used to do all this stuff, and I don't remember doing it. <laughs> oh, my goodness, a little nostalgia moment. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm like, oh, okay. So, actually, you've done a lot. Oh. You have. You've performed at Emirates Palace like three, four times, maybe even more. Uh, I did the Do Arena last year. There was that one. See? So that was that was cool. Yeah, it's like it's, it's 15-year-old me is very happy right now because like, you know, you remember we went to Christina Aguilera together? That was my first concert. Oh my god, yes. That was so good. Yeah, and, and it was at Emirates Palace. Yeah, outside. Yeah. It was at Emirates Palace, and I just remember looking at it, being like, oh, "I want to be on stage." Like <laughs> that was but, Creamfields, wasn't it? As well? No, no, no. Yeah, Creamfields as well. But yeah. like, it was Christina Aguilera was a separate concert. That wasn't great. Okay. Day. Yeah, I, I remember going there with you, definitely. Yeah, Creamfields was like the following year, I think. Ah. Uh, yeah. I see. <laughs> and Beyonce was also fun. I think we all went to that one too. See, that was the first time that that the Do Arena stage opened. And they had all the rocks and the pebbles, and it wasn't, like, that nice to stand on. And 
that was when I was like, oh my God, I need to, like, how can I get on that stage? Like, how, how can I do it? And every time I went to a concert there, like, yeah, I'd be enjoying the show, but like a big part of me was like, how can I get on there? Mm-hmm. And then I finally did it. And then I was like, oh my God, I did it. I saw backstage. I went, I did it. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. So how yeah. did you do it then? Uh, well, cause I've been singing, um, everywhere and I won a competition like a few years ago which got people to kind of know my name a little bit um and then you know I was doing things with Cosmo no Cosmo was after so I did things with a bunch of people I did a bunch of shows I was singing everywhere I was uploading a lot of stuff and then it caught the attention of Flash and then they were just like hey can you send us your press kit and I was like sure and then I did, and then they called me, like, like not even a week before Bruno Mars. They called me, and they were like, oh, by the way, like, you're opening for Bruno Mars. And I'm like, I'm, like, so chill. I'm like, yeah, cool, thanks. I hung up, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to be really chill about it, but I was at the same time, like, huh? And I didn't, and I was in denial for the entire time until after I got off stage. Mm-hmm. I was like not even on stage did I realize what I was doing. It was after everything happened that I was like, oh, I did that. Like, oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, um, do you want to explain what a press kit is? Yeah, so I have my electronic press kit. So basically, <laughs> it, it's basically like your resume. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff that you've done, the songs you've released and like, you make it all clickable and like the little PDF. So like if I have my songs on there, I'll make it a clickable link so that they can go and watch it. And then there's a biography, pictures. It's like the look and feel of like, who is Fafa, you know? And then um, then there's like a few slides of press, like actual press. So anything from the newspapers to magazines to, and then um, videos of performances, videos like music videos, things like that, interviews put all that in there and then um and then there's one page of just like where all of my performances in the past like two years or something because if I put everything it's like oh she did that in 2007 okay like not relevant so I put so my things start in 2018 I think is when Mm -hmm. I started listing everything and it actually I was like oh my god I should have written this down before because when I was doing it I was like oh my god I'm missing something I'm missing something and the, the cool thing is, is that a lot of things are online so I just typed in Fafa Singer I had to google myself to figure <laughs> out which like some of some of the gigs I forgot so I had to google it and be like oh okay yeah, yeah I did that one okay cool yeah and then and like I'll, I'll put it down and then you know you have the contact page and that's it and then yeah you just put professional pictures and all that stuff all that good stuff um, and I was quite surprised that I actually had all of that like professional pictures and gigs and videos like high quality and I was like okay like look at her <laughs> like look at me go <laughs> it looks legit now like if you asked me two years ago to do a press kit it'd be me like taking pictures in my room you know I was like I don't have anything like what are you talking about <laughs> I guess but, it all just build up though because you're doing it out of a place of passion and I think when you do it that way you just naturally build up your things in a very nice way do yeah. you know what I mean so I think that's essentially what a press kit is. It's just all of that stuff. Uh-huh. Basically, who are you? Like, why should we hire you? Who are you? 
it basically yeah i i think of it as a resume because mm-hmm. that's what it is like you're yeah. just like this is who i am this is what i can offer you here here are my references which are like your gigs and stuff so you're like okay <laughs> yeah no it's, if yeah. you translate that into like theater world it's kind of like your audition in a way be like here's my application yeah, here's my audition here you go take me <laughs> it pretty much is yeah and i don't know i, I don't know if everyone though everywhere else in the world does the same thing because i remember i asked my friend for his epk and he was like what and i was like no dude like i need this this and this i'm like how do you get gigs yeah <laughs> and over here over here they're like we need it we need it so that we can see and whatever and i'm like okay and i, and I had to make one because i was just like i didn't know i didn't know i was like okay like, <laughs> uh-huh. here you go <laughs> would you say you then self-taught your business skills for the music world um, I feel like self-taught is very loosely because I had a lot of help. I had uh-huh. a lot of help from a lot of people. I did not do this on my own. I didn't just go on Google. I asked everybody. And yeah. the good thing about the competition that I won is that they actually did a press kit for me. I just didn't like it that much. So I just took what they did and added on to it and just did what I wanted to see on it. So mm-hmm. they helped in the sense of like the skeleton of it. And then I took it from there, but without them, I probably wouldn't be able to do it at all. I would be so lost. I just, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for the people who, who've been kind enough to actually sit me down and teach me what, what's up, I wouldn't know what I was doing. Like, mm-hmm. really. I don't think it's just a Googleable thing. Like you need to, you need to get out there and ask people who, who yeah. are doing it. All about teamwork. <laughs> really, it is. And you shouldn't be afraid to ask. And a lot of people are you know yeah Yeah. no shame it's like you know what it's what's the worst thing that can happen they say no okay like (laughs) you know if that's really the worst thing that can happen then i'll take my chances (laughs) yeah then you move on and find someone else who will help you exactly rejection is all part of the process (laughs) it it definitely is rejection and resilience it all comes in the package (laughs) yeah you get rejected more times than you get accepted like it's crazy (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah obviously you have your own songs out now and everything how do you go about writing your songs and getting inspiration okay so uh all like most of the songs have different inspirations behind them uh so it's really whatever i'm feeling or something that i've heard from someone else that i'm able to relate to that that's also another thing because uh, like there are some of the times where the song it starts off with me feeling a certain type of way and then I, I like stop writing it and then I'll go you know about my life like whatever and then someone will tell me something that I just feel like I feel inspired now so I'll add it to the same song so like half the song is what I'm feeling and the other half is what like someone else was telling me so it's not fully this whole thing in my head it's just like a combination of like two things um and like 99.9% of the time I write songs on the piano. So like the melody, the everything, the structure, it's all on the piano. And then I take it to the studio and then we like make it into this whole different thing. There was only one time where it didn't start that way. And it was like the first song I released, which was Runnin'. Uh, it's not the first song I've written, but it's the first song that I released. And it was cause I sent my friend like a 30 second voice note acapella i think i don't know i don't think it was acapella but it was a 30 second voice note of me singing this melody 
And then a few years later, he comes to me and he's like, oh, I like made a whole entire beat off of this like one thing. And then he starts playing it and I just started singing like random stuff. We're just having fun. And I just started singing. And then he was like, that sounded really good. Record it. And then that happened that way. So it's like, I don't have like one specific way of how I write. I just like, whatever happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. And like, don't fight it. Don't fight the process. Just like go with it. And how do you transition that into the recording studio? How was it for you the first time you were in a proper recording studio and actually like recording your own material? Okay, so besides running, because running was basically done with the beat. So if we're talking like completely from scratch, this the the song that was completely from scratch that I took to the studio was The Sky Cries With Me. And that's a song I wrote like in 2016. And so I'd been on the piano since then. And that's like the only sound that I have in my head until... I did a live gig with a band and we had a drums, we had a guitar, bass, and there was no piano in it. Uh, we were like just a four piece band and you know, we're playing it. And I was like, I love the way this sounds. So I tried to take it to the studio and for like six months or eight months, it just wasn't working. Like we, we were getting so frustrated. That we were like, this turned into like some nineties grunge thing, <laughs> which is like not what I'm going for. So it was very hard to communicate at the beginning. Uh, but then we finally got it. And once we had it, it was done. And then the next song that came, it was just, it was quicker because we, we knew each other already. So it was quicker to kind of like know what, what I wanted from it. So that was really cool. And like now it's, I write it on the piano and then I have this thought in my head and I'll go to the studio and I'll be like, Hey, Andy, could you make it sound like, like this? And he's like, okay. (laughs) And then he'll do it. So I have a different sound in my head than what I'm actually playing. Uh So I have like some idea but he brings the magic to the table like I couldn't even I'm I'm so grateful to that man (laughs) (laughs) and talking about recording studios and live performances I know this might be a very cheesy question but uh what is the biggest difference do you think between the both like singing in the studio and singing live on stage oh my god massive difference uh so singing in the studio you're you're singing to get the best take possible you know like and you ha- you're, you're constantly doing it. You could be doing it for hours and hours and hours. You could be singing the same thing for hours and hours and hours. And how I do it, I'm trying to portray, like, uh, not portray, convey that same emotion that I'm feeling, like, when I wrote it. And that can be so mentally exhausting. And I get so, t- I actually, like, I'll fall asleep after a studio session because of how, like, emotionally charged I get. Because I'm just trying to do the same thing over and over again. And it's just to the microphone, trying to get the best take, the best way of how my emotions come across and the best notes and that whole thing, because I'm really like not a fan of auto-tune and things like that. So I, I try to like just do the best that I humanly can in the studio. Now on stage, on stage, it's like, it's super cool because the audience is there and I feel whatever they're feeling, like whatever they're feeling, it just goes right into me. And I'm like, yo, this is awesome. And sometimes I'll mess up. But even when I mess up, I'm super happy because I'm just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. You know, so I don't I don't mind making mistakes when I'm in front of a crowd. But if I'm in the studio, then I'm like, no, no, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You know, but in front of a crowd is a completely different thing. You're just kind of like one community, one like essence. You know, you're just you're all together there. The same thing is happening. The same emotions are running through you. And it's awesome. And it's such an awesome feeling. Yeah. Living the moment. (laughs) basically yeah yeah if we go to talk about like ups and downs throughout your whole journey because obviously no one's journey is like 
just happy, happy, happy all the time, <laughs> which would be great. Um, but did you at any point feel that you wouldn't have been able to make it? Like before it all came, like, was there like struggling points or did you always have that faith and kept going even in the like struggling times? I mean, I always, I want to say that I always thought like, yeah, I'll like make it no matter what. But I did have times where I'm like, you know, maybe I just shouldn't sing anymore or like, oh, why am I doing this? And um, I mean, even like, even when things were going really well, I'd still be like, why am I doing this until I'd get a gig. And I would perform in front of people and then I'd be like, oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> and, then mm-hmm. I, and then I get super psyched about it. But I'm very impatient in life. But this is the one thing that I'm not impatient about. Like, I don't mind taking my time with it, which is so weird. Because I know it's a slow process. It's not something that, well, for most people, it's not something that happens overnight. Mm-hmm. But even the people that it does happen overnight, it does. it's not overnight for them either. They've been working at this their whole life. And then all of a sudden, it like, that's it. The masses, they know you. And it's awesome. But yeah, no, I've had, I've definitely had a lot of downs, like anybody. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, it's not a straight shot. Yeah. But I think the important thing is, is that like, you're, you're able to think about it and it's okay to feel that way. But what's not okay is to stay that way. So yeah. as long as you get out of that, you're good. But if you stay that way, then it's like, okay, well then why are you doing it no it's finding those little moments to push through you're right and as you said like it's when you get those little rewards like you got your gig you got this and yeah. stuff and yeah that's very true um and did you at any point feel any pressure that you had to like be a certain way to fit into the industry when i was younger yes mm-hmm. like i'm talking like 10 years ago yes um i thought i had to look a certain way act a certain way be a certain way you know because i thought that's what they wanted whoever they is like I thought that's what they wanted you know I had to be this like thin pretty like whatever straight hair all that stuff and then I don't know one day I was just like you know what screw it man like I'm gonna be me because at the end of the day if I'm not comfortable it's gonna show and I won't be able to give my best performance um like when I go out I don't mind wearing tight clothing but when I perform, I dress a certain way because I need to be comfortable in what I'm wearing and not be worried that something's going to slip out or something's going to happen. Like I need to be hundred percent comfortable with what I'm wearing, how I look, all that for me to actually give my full 100% on stage. And so if I'm always trying to conform into what other people want me to look like, I'm never going to be comfortable. I'm never going to have fun. And then it's like, that's really like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're yeah. not happy, why are you doing this? Yeah. So. Yeah, now I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, but you made a statement of you being you, you know, like at the end of the day, you're the product that you are presenting. So you can be the way you want to be. Exactly. Yeah. And um, like, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with my big curly hair. You know, if I gain some weight, it's okay. If I lose some weight, it's okay. You know, whatever hmm. I'm wearing, like, that's what I want to wear. So whatever, like, I'm not hurting you by doing it. You're just not happy. And that's, Hmm. that's not my issue. (laughs) Yeah. No, I had to learn that in auditioning world. Like we were always told in college exactly how to go into an audition, what to wear. And then I realized, I was like, I don't actually feel comfortable singing in heels. Why do I have to sing, like sing in heels and be like a giraffe? I'm already tall enough. (laughs) So I had to like, yeah. (laughs) So I had to like rethink and I was like, should I step out of the norm? Should I do what they told me not to do? And once I started going in there with like comfortable shoes and 
I'm not always in like a dress. Sometimes I was like, this doesn't feel right for the character. I'm going to come in with my nice trousers. Like it just changed it because I was like, it's what you said. You feel comfortable in yourself. And then automatically mm-hmm. you're just there in the role in your music and performing yeah. well. You find like if you're wearing uncomfortable shoes, for example, like let's just go with shoes because there's a lot of uncomfortable things you could be wearing. Um, <laughs> or like, like, like your tight pants or something. That's uncomfortable sometimes, sometimes too. But like, for example, you're wearing like uncomfortable shoes and they're high heels. You're singing. The only thing that you're thinking about are those shoes. Yeah. That is the only thing that you're thinking about. <laughs> and that is what's going to ruin your performance. Because the only thing you can think about is your feet. <laughs> so true. And those blisters that will come. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And then, obviously, you have a mixed heritage in your roots. Do you think that those influence your creativity? And do you bring any of that into your own music? Uh, My heritage? No, not necessarily. I've always had, like, an identity crisis, I'll be honest. Like, I'm from (laughs) different worlds, and I just feel like I tried to conform into one, and then that didn't work. And I tried to go into the other one, and that didn't work. And then like I try to be both and that's not working and so like I'm just I respect and I love both of my heritages but I don't think I'm necessarily just one thing Mm -hmm. and I'm not just both of them either because I grew up kind of away from both cultures you know in a sense it's like sometimes I feel like I'm a third culture kid in my own country because I, I grew up with all these people from all these different cultures that I wasn't really immersed into mine and so, like, I'm just as clueless as the next person, you know? And I'm like, uh, I mean, it's terrible. But, like, the same time, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know who I am half the time. And so when I get asked that question a lot of, like, oh, does your Honduran side and your Emirati side, does that influence your music? It's like, no, it doesn't. It really, maybe, maybe, the, maybe like, the experiences I've had to deal with uh-huh. because I'm, I'm this and that, yes. But really solely the cultures i don't i don't think so i think it's really interesting now that you said that because even though i know where you're from and everything i always think you're a third culture kid because we all grew up in a third culture kid school <laughs> exactly like that that see that's the thing and i think when i was younger i was just trying to fit in so like i just didn't really focus on it and yeah like it's a shame because it's you know it's such a beautiful culture and everything and i do know a lot about it but i wouldn't say that i know everything mm. and i wouldn't say that I've completely experienced it fully. Like I have with, you know, my grandma and like my dad and everything, but in a sense, like I grew up with it. Like it was a daily thing for me. It wasn't a daily thing for me. It was like a holiday thing for me, you know, <laughs> like going to my grandma's or something. So, so yeah, that, I mean, that's how I feel about that. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got that with Germany. That's part of the reason why I want to go and stay and try it out for a bit as well. Cause I'm like half German, never lived there don't really know how life is there <laughs> right yeah and you're uh, just like, oh, what do I do what do I do about all this <laughs> yeah I think it's cool though we get to celebrate so many cultures and like the amount of people we got to know just because of like this third culture situation and like a hub where all the expats just came it's just amazing I think like I don't know. It really opens your mind. Like, I think we could be one of the most open-minded people because of how many cultures we're exposed to. Definitely. So, you know, you're just like, oh, okay, like, cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We have to celebrate that. (laughs) 
Do you think that the singer-songwriter scene differs in the UAE compared to Europe, USA, and other places of the world? 100%. Oh. It's completely different. Because, okay, if you go to... Let's say you're... Okay, let's say Chicago, for example. Chicago has a sound. Berlin uh-huh. has a London has a sound. UAE doesn't really have a sound. And it's like both good and bad, but like at the same time, you're like, I don't know what's going on here. It's just this, it's, it's, it's like a lot happening. And then you have a lot of people who try to copy other people or, you know, they, they're like, oh, I'm better than you. And you're like, why are we competing? Like when we're all like, we want the same thing. Like, why are we, why are we salty about it? You know, the opportunities are different. Uh, like in other places in the world, it's a lot easier to get gigs for original music here oh. it's not here it's it's more cover bands cover singers all that cover stuff like that's their job so they're not musicians by they're, they're they're musicians by profession as in like that's what they do professionally they do cover songs they do top 40 you know and that's what they're getting hired for and then once you start doing original stuff they're like why should we pay you you know, and you're like, well, I deserve to be paid because I did A, B, and C, and D, and E, and all the way to Z. Like, I did all this stuff, and so I deserve to be paid. And you have to really put your foot down and be like, I deserve this. I know I deserve this. And you're going to see that I deserve this. So, yeah, it, it took it took a, a while because I started off doing free gigs. And then at a certain point, I was like, I can't. I, I can't afford to be doing stuff for free. So mm. I, I started demanding people to pay me. And I was like, if you don't want to pay me, I'm not going to do it. Like that's simple. Go find someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times they would find someone else, but eventually, like, <laughs> it, it it started to work because then they could see that you're serious about it, and people now are more open to the idea of original music instead of just the cover stuff because they realize, like, why are people going to go to this restaurant to go listen to a cover band? You know. Mm-hmm. I think and, like, new music is very it's it's way more interesting. I think when you go and like find new music and a new artist rather than just hearing to all the cover bands like they're needed as well don't get me wrong that's what i'm saying yeah like there's nothing there's nothing against them but it's so oversaturated with these musicians that the artists aren't able to get work and then on top of that you have these artists that have to be cover musicians because that's the only way that they're going to get work and again it like it's so sad because these are very very talented people who cannot play their material because people want to hear Justin Timberlake or something, you know, like, and it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a bit overwhelming. <laughs> it's a little cycle. That's so interesting though. I wouldn't have thought that it's harder to showcase your own material in the UAE rather than in other places. Well, to be fair in the past year, uh, not, not past year, if past few years, it's been getting better. Mm. Uh, and last year we were, we were doing a lot of progress on it. Uh, you know, the pandemic hit and, <laughs> but still, even though the pandemic hit, these big companies were still like, Hey, we want original music. So that was really, really, really cool. Yeah. Cause then you had big companies being like, Oh, could you do a live stream for us? But only your songs, we only want original music. And you're like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Thank you. You know? So even during the pandemic, they're still looking out for us. So I'm really grateful to, like the industry here and like the people who are demanding for this like new music. So that's really cool. And I I really enjoy it, you know? Yeah. 
No, definitely. Um, and do you have any advice for people wanting to start out in the singer-songwriter branch? I think the hardest part of starting anything is starting it. You know what I mean? Like once yes. you're doing it, it gets easier, but it's like people get overwhelmed with how do I start? Where do I start? What do I do? It's like literally just do anything. Just start anything. Do something. Put it on YouTube. Go to an open mic. Like whatever it is that you have to do to get the ball rolling, just make sure you get it going and stop thinking about it and start doing it. And I think that's the biggest thing is that people just sit in the rooms thinking like, why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? And it's like, because you're not going out to get it. You know, it's not yeah. going to knock on your door. You have to go and get it for yourself. So if you're starting out like that's, I think the thing that I would say is get out of your comfort zone. Do something that don't make you comfortable. Yeah. You know, sing it's the only way people. you'll grow. Yeah. It's the only way you get out of your house. Go to the open, <laughs> I think open mics. Open mics are one of my favorite things because that's where you can test out your new material or that's where you can, you know, I started out doing open mics so you can start doing that um, and see how it goes and, and just keep doing that until you gain the confidence to, mm -hmm. you know, go out and reach out for like paid opportunities because then you'll have this experience because I mean, I was lucky I got all this experience and then I, I was like, oh, hey, like I do this and that, but not a lot of people go that route i guess they're like they're a lot of bedroom singers you know yeah so i think the the most important thing is just do open mics <laughs> and if it's a you know it's a pandemic so i don't know go on instagram live and just like do your stuff there and even if it's like one person just listening to you you got that one person sitting with you listening to you so exactly so like the numbers don't matter it's just it's just whoever's there to support you you know so don't worry about it and don't worry about it like having to be this great person overnight like it's it's a process you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's good like it's good that you say the instagram live and everything because i think we have such an access actually now to get our stuff online mm -hmm. i mean we had it like a few years ago with youtube and all those things as well obviously but i think it's so accessible now to just get your stuff and material out there that you need to be brave enough and just post it and like yeah. not be afraid of what people are going to say as in like because <laughs> There's always going to be people who like your stuff and who don't. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get that a lot still. You get people who really, really like it. And then you get people who are like, eh, she's mm -hmm. full of BS. And you're like, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the main advice is just like, stop thinking, start doing. Uh, learn how to take constructive criticism. Uh, and was it consistency that was the other thing consistency be consistent that's something mm -hmm. that i struggle with and you have to be consistent with what you're doing otherwise people are going to forget and then you're just like oh and yeah. you're going to forget too because you're not doing it either you know yeah. so you have to push yourself to be consistent mm -hmm. yeah the, the advice is really like i don't know generic i think but it it helps like it makes sense <laughs> it, it does make sense and it's good to sometimes just hear it again you know like you sometimes need to reinforce it and be like, okay, yeah, actually, I remember this. So, yeah, it's good. Um, I've got three little questions left. <laughs> um, in your opinion, what do you think unites us as creatives? Our differences. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. So, no one ever said that before. I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. I think it's amazing because like, 
if we're all doing the same thing, it's kind of boring. Like, how is that creative? You know? Yeah. We're all doing the same thing. I think like being different is awesome because then you, it's inspiring. If someone's doing something that you never thought of and you go, it makes you think. And even though it's something different and you're not going to go do the same thing, but inspires you to do something else, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's constant creation just happening yeah. all around. And I think our differences unite us because I think there's just so much out there and it's so awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and then what do you think makes you unique as a creative? I love this question. Self-love for you guys. Self-love. I struggle with that sometimes. I say I love myself, but sometimes I'm like, girl, sit down, man. Like, <laughs> oh, what makes me unique? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know what makes me unique. Um, I don't give a crap. I don't care. I think that, that there you go. I don't care, like, what people say about whatever I just I'm still doing me you know mm -hmm. you say what's on your mind as you said <laughs> I know sometimes it gets me in trouble <laughs> but still you're true to yourself <laughs> exactly you're like oh it's like oh how'd you go to jail I'm staying true to myself <laughs> I said something ended up here <laughs> yeah no that's all thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your journey Thanks for having me. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Fafa. Artist Avenue will be back next Wednesday with another exciting interview. Make sure to follow us on social media and keep up to date. There's something very exciting coming your way in December, so keep your eyes peeled and see you next week.